0: Slightly sickly version of Breaking KFA with Bowdryn and Barry. No, it's not the episode that it's sickly. Uh, it's the two hosts of the Breaking KFA with Bowdrin and Barry. Myself with the uh, the chest cold, uh, Lord Barron with the sinus infection, uh, Sweet Lou out there, uh, you know, with the hangover from the weekend, I'm sure. But Barry Rose, we are at episode 297 of Breaking wow. KFA with Bowdryn and Barry.
1: Three episodes left, Jeff. We are. We're roughly about six years into doing this podcast. We've never missed a week and we have three episodes left. And
0: what would have been fun is if we had been so sick that we had to postpone this episode with three to go, that would have been, you know, the height of our thing.
1: I get a feeling we would have been on our deathbeds and we still would have said, We've never missed a week, we've gotta fucking record and we would have wound up recording and uh yeah. Well but, the uh, good
0: news is if if that was the case, you know that uh you know Lou would have reached out to Brian to tell us, hey, the boys are sick. Brian would have called each of us on a conference call, said, Money is no object, please. I'm gonna double your pay this week and uh ask you to do it well anyway. On this particular episode, of breaking kayfabe. It's not the sickly episode, Barry. It is in fact tales of loots oh. as we are not going to be having a match of the week this week. Uh, and the reason we are not is because quite frankly, we sat down before today and we talked about our weekend in loots, all the, the fun, all the drama, all the, here's your favorite word, Barry, the Michigas that goes michigas. on with a trip to loots, good, bad and others. And so that's lots of fun. Uh, so, Barry, before we get to Tales of lutes and all the other stuff involved, let's talk a little Castro uh, Hussein uh, Vasiri. It's the Iron Sheik who he lost, unfortunately, uh, you know, the other day. And I did want to make a mention of the fact uh, of his passing before we get into the regular episode, because this guy, Barry, for so many reasons, again, good and bad, was a complete... Fucking legend in the business, uh, you know, legitimate athlete like very few have ever been in the sport of wrestling, by the way, and one of the all-time great characters for a lot of different reasons. Barry, your thoughts on the Iron Sheik?
1: Boy, was he a legend, too, and I, I think we can break down his career probably into several different segments, and you go back to the early days of, uh, you know, Kajro Vaziri when I think it was Kajro Vaziri and Ali Vaziri. But, uh, you know, he worked in the state of Florida, too. He was there in 1973, and we saw him in 74 and was a prelim guy, was an in incredible shape. And you look at the Iron Sheik in his early career, and it's like this is the shape that everybody wants to be in. The guy always seemed to have great matches, but it wasn't until he really developed this persona – of the iron Sheik, And I, I want to say Texas was the first place he really developed this and shaved his head and grew this mustache, bulked up and you know, kind of got a little bit of a belly, but looked like a like a bear almost at times. And uh it just he had a great career and he was one of those guys that I always felt ah, I guess because of his own excesses, which is probably the best way to put it, the the stuff that occurred outside the ring tended to, to overshadow what he what he truly was and obviously where there was the incident and i think it was 1987 where he was riding with Hapkak, saw jim duggan though they were feuding at the time and i believe they both got fired they were pulled over i think there was weed in the car or something like that maybe harder drugs i don't remember but uh that was a shame and then i know that they wound up bringing him back and i think there was always a, so- a soft spot Vince McMahon always had a soft spot for him and would try to help and, and, you know, try to do what he could. And then, you know, there was the incident that occurred, uh, and this probably 20 years ago where his daughter was killed, right? And I, he was living in Atlanta and I believe it was her estranged boyfriend that actually murdered his daughter. I will tell you my favorite Kajro story came from somebody that was managing a hotel in Orlando and this was during a period. When WCW well, Would that
0: be somebody that we both know?
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, somebody thank you. who's bounced around city to city managing hotels, but I think spent most of his career in Orlando managing. But he was managing, and I, th- I want to say it was a day's in. It wasn't a luxurious, glamorous hotel. And, you know, I don't want to say budget hotel because, you know, though it may have been, but it was close enough to, uh I think it was the MGM Studios where they were filming, now called the Hollywood Studios that Disney runs. But they used to do a lot of the filming there. So a lot of the boys stayed at the hotel and uh they had a breakfast buffet downstairs. And uh, as a lot of the hotels do, you get that free breakfast buffet. And I guess the boys had done some amount of partying the night before and the Iron Sheik uh, did a lot of partying. I think he was I think he was at a different level than many of the amateur partiers. I think he was a true pro. And at some point during the night, he wound up uh completely nude, and he's sleeping in a corner of the hotel. But I guess this is unbeknownst to anybody else in the hotel. Nobody sees him. So they they open up the breakfast buffet and people at seven o'clock I'm guessing. People start coming downstairs and he's off in a corner and he's still fully nude and gets up, wakes up apparently, walks into the breakfast buffet, schlong out, and starts to help himself to waffles. So to me <laughs> to me What what's better than a nice uh, nice waffle <laughs> when you're a uh, bare-ass naked you know (laughs) exactly so to me that's that's kind of the iron sheik i think he did a lot of shit on his terms uh i don't think he was always looking for approval and you know it's he was a uh but when it comes to wrestling and i you know we've been going through this list this top 200 list uh we you know we've done some on the regular show we've done quite a bulk on the patreon and i forget exactly where the iron sheik Wound up, but wherever it was in the top 200, he definitely deserves to be on that list. To me, this is a guy that really represents the eighties as far as professional wrestling. Obviously the guy that Hulk Hogan beat to get the title, which really changed the course of professional wrestling in a lot of ways. It's just a shame. It's a, to me, it's a shame that his career ended the way it did. And I think there were health issues. Uh, certainly there were some other issues, personal issues going on with him. But if you look at him and at, at his best, this guy was a fucking stud, Jeff. Well, you know, I,
0: the other night I sent Barry a copy of the observer obituary on, uh, on the iron sheik and you know, for all that, anyone ever wants to say about Dave, this is where Dave is your go-to source when it comes to the obituaries, which are always full of such great information and Intel. And here, here again, Barry, I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, one of the things that I saw was when he referenced the angle in CWF involving the iron sheep, right. JJ Dillon and killer Carl Cox and Eric Embry. And before I get to that, you know, the first time I remember seeing or hearing, you know, uh, I did recall him uh appearing as, uh, as Khosrow of in CWF way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but then I didn't see him again until uh, I saw him as, I, I believe, it was the great Hussein Arab uh, up in the WWF. I want to say around 78 or 79. Yeah. And then, you know, he comes back as the, you know, the Iron Sheik. And, uh you know, he has his run uh there with, with Backlund, of course, and then with Hogan. And, you know. It's funny because you're right. He is kind of remembered almost for the out of the ring stuff and you know, the, the, the comedic moments, you know, being on Howard Stern and cutting promos and all these guys and people have forgotten, as Barry said, what a fucking stud this guy was in the ring. And he absolutely was. And uh, especially younger in his career before he fell a victim to the, uh, let's just say, the temptations of the road and I, I don't mean, uh, in a motel room uh, with a, a woman or anything. I, I mean, like to the, uh, the other temptations of the road that's unfortunately a lot of the boys have fallen vic- uh, victim to. And you know, it's funny because I saw, uh, a short clip, uh, that was produced where they were talking about the, the first man to ever tempt him with anything because he apparently did not drink alcohol. And the first time he even uh, tried weed was Jimmy Snuka gave him some weed. And I, I want to say this is like around, I don't know, 83, 84. So he had done all this, uh, the proverbial Spartan lifestyle, no drinking, no drugs, no any kind of, uh, you know, other, I don't know, hedonistic. That's the first time I've been, I think we've ever used that word, Barry. Hedonistic uh, adventures on the outside of the ring. This guy literally ate and breathed pro re- or wrestling and then pro wrestling because he was a guy that was so good that Vern Gagne used him as a trainer. And there was a great story in the observer article. And I want to hope that you're, you caught this one, Barry, uh, was a story about how he basically called out Billy Robinson for being a, a bully to the other yeah. wrestlers. And that was a really interesting wrestler, uh, you know, story too. And I don't think I'd ever heard that one, but getting back to the CWS story, you know, my fondest memory of of Khosrow Vasiri is not as the Iron Sheik up in the WWF or his tag team with Nikolai Volkov. It is that, that moment when he is introduced in Florida as being from Saudi Arabia. And then Eric Embry first comes out and makes the accusation that he's from not Iran. He's from Iran uh, with that Kentucky accent of Eric Embry's. And, uh, you know, then of course, Gordon's like, well, that's a, that's a bold accusation to make Eric. And, uh, you know, like uh if you don't have proof, yada, yada, yada. And then the next week, Killer Carl Cox and what I believe, Barry, correct me if I'm wrong, was his last big angle, uh, as a pro wrestler.
1: Killer, Killer Carl, Carl Cox, Cox. It was, it was, yes. and that basically that, that was the last time we saw him in the state of Florida. And I want to say he went to, uh, back to Watts where he worked a few matches and then wrapped up, but that was it. That was the last run for Cox down here.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, so then. They do, you know. It, it was so great because Cox is out there with his little Marine hat on, and he says, you know, I, you know, because I'm a former Marine, I have been able to uh, use the, through the Freedom of Information Act uh, my resources to access all this, all these documents. That was just so meticulously planned and thought out, and it was so great. And then he shows all these pictures of the Iron Sheik as he's uh, standing there as a bodyguard with the uh, the former Shah of Iran uh, of Iran's. Wife and the Shah himself and just slowly started to build how the Iron Sheik and JJ Dillon had deceived the, uh, the fans of CWF in Florida. And then JJ comes running out and he jumps over the po, you know, the, the desk. He says, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. And he and Cox began to get into kerfluffle. Excuse me. And then the Iron Sheik comes out and what's great is before he attacks Cox. He has that moment where he stops, looks at the camera, kind of brushes his mustache back, and then he attacks Cox, making sure he looks good before he goes on the attack. I always thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> but what a great angle that was uh to set into motion uh, 1982, which is one of my favorite years in CWF, Barry.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, look, anytime it it you know, it's hard to believe it's been almost six years since I said I love Cox. On the air. And, and I think that was the first time you were like, did you really just say that? But uh, that brings back some great memories. Killer Carl Cox really, in his heyday, was just a tremendous, tremendous heat, heat getter. And he was kind of like Johnny Valentine. I think if you were to sit back and watch a Johnny Valentine match now through the magic of YouTube... Unless you're in the building, it it may not seem overly impressive, but when you were there, it was something. Well, Cox was the same and you may see his matches on television. It may not do a whole whole lot for you, but I can tell you, I was in several buildings where it seemed like everybody wanted to get a piece of them. And you know, everybody, everybody loved Cox. So you were in,
0: you were in several buildings where you saw Cox. Is that what you're saying, Barry?
1: Well, you know, that I'll admit to Jeff, but was this
0: a a private moment?
1: This was a private, yes, this was an extremely private moment. Yes. Well, anyway, getting back
0: yeah. to, uh, the late great, uh, Iron Sheik, uh, Kasro Vasiri, uh, as we are wont to do. Barry Lou, join me. Raise a yes. dope beverage to the memory of the great Iron Sheik. Rest in peace, my friend. And now let's go to Tales from Lutes. And now Barry, it is time for that segment that we have done after every trip down to Tampa. Barry Rose, it's time for Tales of Lutes. Are you ready, my man?
1: Oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. It was uh it was a very difficult event for me, being that it was the last one and it was uh you know, I, I usually go through kind of a Post depression type of funk the few days following. There's a big build up. It's what people say, right? You have the baby. That's more chemical, but even people that get married with weddings, you know, you plan for this big event. It takes place. You have an, um, the best time of your life and then it's over. And then you're essentially back to reality. And I, I think I've definitely gone through it this week. Normally in the summer, it's not as bad. I can go to the pool. I can, you know, be outside to lift my, my dragging spirits a bit but of course with the canadian wildfires this week i've been indoors so not been able to but i gotta tell you jeff i am sure i've said this before maybe i've said it every time this was probably my favorite event for a variety of reasons i just had the best time and i gotta say it looked like you were having a pretty good time too
0: well first of all uh thanks canada for the wildfires uh yeah now let's uh I've written some notes down of things to talk about by the way when you when you were talking about sort of the uh the after everything was over effect, you know like what do you do now? It, you know it popped into my head i and I have this is very random. Did you ever see the movie uh with Robert Redford called the candidate yeah, absolutely okay, so at the end of this movie, he's running for some political office, I think it's out in California or something like that, and they go through all the highs and lows of a campaign. And uh, spoiler alert, the movie's 50 years old. Robert Redford, uh, he, his character wins the election, right? And they have this big party. Yeah, hey, you're there. And then he's in the, uh, the hotel room. I don't know if it's with, uh, his campaign manager or somebody else. And he looks at the guy and the guy says, well, man, you're, you're now a, an elected official. Welcome. And he goes, well, yeah, but what do I do now? <laughs> and, and that's kind of like, you know, you, you've had the highs and lows of, of Lutz. Uh, yet another one, uh, you know, the final one. And now it's like, well, what do I do now? And, and that's what I was thinking when you were, when you were describing what you went through. So let's start off the weekend, Barry, uh, Mrs. Bowdren and I arrived very late Thursday night. Uh, there were, uh, several people already there, but Friday we, uh, did a little side trick, uh, literally, and I do mean literally across the street from the hotel. We went to visit the home of Bill Alfonso and see Fonzie's little, uh, you know, man cave where he has all his uh, his gimmicks and his merch. And boy, we had fun at Bill Alfonso's house bear.
2: That
1: was, I mean, I I don't know, and remove the fan fest from it, but I don't know of any other group you know, the brothership is the group. And I don't know of any other group where a group gets invited to a pro wrestlers house, gets the tour of the house to look at the man cave and then films a promo in the house. And then we leave and we go eat lunch. And it was really incredible. And when you said directly across the street, Fonzie has been telling me that since we've been doing the fan fest, he really is directly across the street in a almost freaky kind of way. And it was, uh, you know, it was really something special and we had a, uh, a conversation beforehand, obviously. And he goes, come on, daddy, everybody comes over to the house. I'm like, Bill, you, you know, you sure you want to do that? There looks to be about at least 20 people that we're all hanging out with. He goes, oh, we'll have a great time, daddy. And he did. We went over to the house and, uh, he got his wife on the phone and his, I talked with his wife for a moment and, uh, you know, he was, suffice to say about that
0: his wife was mortified that he had brought all these people to her house uh she said oh my god you know it, just like i hate to be sexist here every woman would say oh my god my house is a mess at which point he's talking to her on speaker and i i pulled kim aside and i said here come here and i said this is bill's wife on the phone with him tell her that her house is not a mess and kim actually told her oh your house is lovely <laughs> and you know she's like oh thank you i appreciate that but i just want to know you know, we spoke about how close Bill, you know, was and is to the hotel. Did Bill ever run an angle on you and ask you for trans money?
1: <laughs> no, it, there would be another another wrestler who might do that, uh, which you and I were talking about off air. But no, Bill would never do it. And I, I got to say, being in his house was pretty cool. He's got a great man cave. There's great memorabilia. We got to meet his cat and his dog. Uh, dog's name was Theo, and I think the cat we said was almost 20 was named Misty, uh, and your wife took a real liking to Theo. I gotta say, boy, he was a sweet dog, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, and we asked him, uh, if the dog was named after, uh, Theo Kojak from the old Kojak TV series. Apparently not. So yeah. next, uh, rumors of a visit to a Cuban restaurant appear to be have been exaggerated, and we end up, uh, at Hooters, uh, Barry. But really, who doesn't like, uh, Michael Scott's favorite lunch place, uh, lunch at Hooters, Barry.
1: It wasn't it. You know what? I haven't been to a, so first off, I'm going to apologize to the entire Hooters community, whether you work, uh, manage, own a Hooters, or you're just a patron. I believe I owe you an apology. And my last visit to Hooters actually probably was maybe even close to 20 years ago was an Orlando location. And I got to tell you, I would rather, you know, go get a can of fucking SpaghettiOs and eat it. And then we wind up at Hooters. How dare you bash SpaghettiOs, my friend? That's true. And then we wind up at Hooters and holy shit, the food's actually pretty good, Jeff. It's not a bunch of garbage food. I actually, we split the grouper sandwich and... Holy fuck, that was really good. But everything was good. Most people got wings. My issue with the Hooters wings years ago, which they've changed, they were doing breaded wings. And to me, it was, I I don't like breaded wings. I think it's bizarre. I think you put the sauce, it becomes super soggy. I like the flour and deep fried wings the way they're supposed to be. So when when Fonzie was saying Hooters, and I should say the lovely Linda also had a reaction to Hooters, thinking that it was Hooters from 25 years ago with scantily clad women. It's not right. at this stage. Exactly. So we made our way to Hooters, and, and we sat down, and damn, if that wasn't a really excellent grouper sandwich. So I would like to apologize to anybody that I've ever slandered uh, when it comes to Hooters. Fantastic. I will I will be going back because I tell you what, that grouper sandwich was great. But here we are again. There's a group, I'll say 20 of us, right? And Fonzie's there holding court in a sense. And, of course, when it comes time for us to gather money, our check has been paid. And I don't want to call him out and say who paid the check. But if you've ever been to a fan fest, or you've ever been with us to Glory Days or even heard us previously talk about it, the same individual with a giant heart picks up the check every time.
0: Yes. And uh, a very, and a very good dude. We're
1: fucking grateful as could be, uh,
0: yes. that he does that. You know so. who you are and, uh, my man, it is certainly appreciated. Uh, it was not necessary, but you, you did it anyway. And on behalf of Barry, myself and everybody that was at lunch and dinner, uh, later Saturday night, he did the same thing. Uh, extremely grateful, and uh, we can't he, thank
1: you enough. He did it, if I'm correct, Jeff, I believe he did it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night and Friday lunch. Uh, that's pretty unbelievable. And again, he doesn't look for, he doesn't, you know, when I, when I found out, I, you know, everybody should thank him and he, he's kind of quiet and gets a little shy with it. And he doesn't want the, I'll tell you clearly, he doesn't want the accolades of doing it. He just does it. It comes from his heart. So as Jeff just said, we are eternally grateful uh, yeah. for, for that. Yeah.
0: So Friday night, it was time for the, uh, the independent show uh, that we go to, that is put on by our friend, uh, uh, Robert, uh, Robert Sean Pasco Sean Davis, uh, and unfortunately, Barry, we get the news, uh, mid-afternoon that Sean lost his mother and was not going to be in attendance that night. I mean, obviously. And so first things first, wow, Sean, uh. Our brother, we are definitely thinking of you in this, uh, this time and it's absolutely gut wrenching. I actually reached out to Sean last night and said, man, I, I just want to know how you're doing. And he's, you know, he said it's a struggle and I completely understand and empathize, but, uh, we were thinking of you that night and,
1: uh, just
0: if you want to say some thoughts about Sean Barry.
1: Oh, I fucking love the guy and, uh, you know, it's, we, uh, uh, a few minutes ago, we were talking about shady con men in wrestling and no, wrestling. no, yeah, yeah, go figure. Wrestling's got a long history of scumbags that are in Sean Davis. Uh, did, are, did
0: we have any at the fan fest, Barry?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have had one, but it's, uh, Sean Davis is a stand up guy and I actually spoke with him at great lengths today, even before this recording. He, he's one of those. He is a legit. Honest stand up guy that will go the distance for you. And it's not, you know, a lot of people will ask for a million things and then you knock on that door, right? And all of a sudden everybody's gone. That, that also seems to happen. Sean's the opposite. Sean will reach out and say, what can we do to make things for you better? And how can I help? And, uh, and you know, he really, it, I would do anything for Sean and his wife and Sean's had a rough go of it. Uh, his wife, the lovely Jessica, who I also, they're just a fantastic couple. And, uh, she has had severe health issues over the last couple of months and I've been in the hospital and I sadly I spoke with Sean that morning and Sean was on cloud nine. You know, this was Friday morning. Sean was on Cloud Nine. We were going through some things that might be occurring that night at the wrestling show. We were talking about the fan fest. He had just gotten a hold of a bunch of Florida wrestling programs. He was very excited by that. And that that's the beauty of Sean too. Like Sometimes he'll contact me and there's this little kid that lives inside of him. He's always smiling. He's always positive, And he's just a, a pleasure to be around. And he was on cloud nine Friday morning. And, uh, you know, shit, six hours later, five hours later, my phone rings and it's Sean. It says it on my phone. I pick up and it's his wife. It's Jessica. And she's informing me that unexpectedly Sean's mom had passed away that day. And uh, it was a, a punch to the stomach. For so many reasons. I know how much that weekend meant to him, but I also know how much his mom meant to him. I've been Facebook friends with him and I think he posts three or four times a week about his mom and how important she was to him. And, you know, I've lost both my parents, Jeff. You lost your father a couple of years back. And, uh, you know, for Sean, this was a really, really gut wrenching moment. And I will say I spoke with him today, probably for 45 minutes. I think we were talking and he, uh, He's, you know, he's in that stage now, you know, where he's, he's, a, he's not so much in shock. He's trying to deal with it, but I'll tell you what, ever the dutiful, great son, I can't say enough good about him. So, and I'll, I'll stop with that. So Jeff, we were excited to make our way to the independent show and without Sean, which Sean is our connection there, uh, Rick Thames, the commissioner, Rick Thames, as I like to tease him now, 57 year old Rick Thames. Was Rick, running. Rick bumps
0: Thames because Rick took a bump, uh, during, uh, the early part of the show, which, uh, was kind of fun. Uh, let, let me just say, uh, one last thing about, uh, Sean before, uh, we go on to the show. So what was, uh, what is great about Sean before, besides everything else you said, you know, he, he's giving these young guys and, and ladies a chance to get their way going into business. He's a fan, though. You know, like you said, he hey, man, I I got these programs. And that's so nice to see in an industry where you don't see enough of that. And, you know, but anyway, on on with the show. Sean, we're thinking of you, brother. So the show that ran featured, oh, Barry, an unexpected run-in. What? By someone very near and dear to our hearts. No, Lou Kippelman did not fly in for the show. But – at some point during the show, I believe it might have been, uh, there was an interview segment, uh, and someone in our group was called out, oh, I think his name
1: was Barry Rose. Yeah. So here was the beautiful part about the whole thing. You didn't know about it, Jeff. My, my Son living of a gir- bitch, not my man. living girlfriend who was sitting directly next to me didn't even know about it. So Sean you said, you are the king of kayfabe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sean said, let's try to sit on this. I said, I'm not telling a soul because I truly want this to be a surprise. And, uh and I got to be honest, I, you know, I'm, I'll be 60 this year. And that was the first time I've ever been involved in a professional wrestling match in some sort of an angle or something. So when Sean brought it up to me, I mean, you know, Jeff, I was like, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. And what a great idea they came up with this, is the idea between, you know, for me, right. I could never come up with this. They came up with this and, their their champion, who is Rich Portealla, who is this was the guy we talked about when we had Sean on. He got he had his first match, his first match debut in Corican Hall. So that that really says a lot. But he's been tearing up the indie circuit in the state of Florida. They believe, and they don't say this about everybody. They truly believe he is going somewhere and. He he does a segment called Richie's Way and it's a takeoff of the Piper's Pit segments. And uh you know, we got there a few minutes early and I I think I, again I'm Kay Fabing and I'm like, I gotta get to the building early because without Sean, I wanna make sure that everything is gonna be lined up, but really I had to go over what was gonna take place. So they had told me, I gotta say Richport Alaitou. It's the complete opposite of what you see in the ring. And you, we hear that all the time, right? But he is a soft spoken, gentle guy in the locker room and then he gets in front of the camera and he's like a fucking psycho which is great what's
0: his what's his gimmick line the the freaking Recon or something like that
1: Freakin' Recon. yeah that's kind of cute rich port ayala but really good worker and it just has come he's i think he's a natural and the guy he's one of those guys that kind of had it and they're fine tuning him. and we saw him first a year ago and this guy has just come so far in a -A 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 year it's Incredible, and he does this this deal Richie's way, which is like a piper's pit. So he comes out. He they they set up the piper's pit thing, which is an easel that says Richie's way, essentially, in, in two chairs. And he's walking around the ring, and he's going. I'm going to call somebody that's sitting next to you tonight and you're looking at me going, it should be you. It should be you. And I, again, I'm still kayfabing, right? And then as you tell me, and I'll, I'll let you pick this part up because you told me this. He goes, I want to call and he points at me, goes, Barry Rose. And what do I do, Jeff?
0: You immediately do the uh, the side glance to the right, side glance to the left, (laughs) and then you go up into the ring. Uh, By the way, I don't know if you wiped your feet off before you got in the mat. Actually, you rolled into the mat, so there was no feet wiping. You did not pay respect to the history of pro wrestling. Very Little disappointed there, at which point the lovely Linda looks at me and goes, did you know he was going to do that? And I, I said, I said, well, once he started doing the side, the side glances to and fro, I was like, I was pretty sure I knew that he he had sent in on the, uh, on the rip, <laughs> but it was good stuff. Uh, so you go in, you, you, uh, you shoot the angle with, with Rick, which, uh, which leads to the main event with, uh, with he, uh, with Rick versus the, uh, Tokyo monster Cahagas. And then here again. Oh, Barry, tragically, the ref somehow is knocked down. Uh He may or may not have suffered an injury that could be debilitating. There is a need for a referee to go in right at the heat of the moment. And lo and behold, Barry Rose slides under the ropes, once again, not wiping his feet, and counts the three fall. And Tokyo Monster Cahagas is the new champion. Barry Rose, what was going through your head at that time?
1: I was, it was a, it was a lot of fun. I was really, I wasn't nervous, which I I thought that I would be nervous. I wasn't nervous. I was, I think the, the excitement completely was overriding that, the nervousness. But so, and we should say too, during that Richie's Way segment, I had no idea what he was going to ask or what was going to be said, but I was, he started to, I guess, bully me into the corner. And then Cahagas came out to make the save. So setting up their main event title. So as Jeff mentioned, the match takes place. It's actually a very solid match. These guys have worked together. Yep, it was very solid. Very good. Yeah, much better than I think what we think of sometimes the typical indie match. And really a lot of solid work there. And the ref takes a bump, and he takes a bump on the other side of the ring. And Jeff looks at me and goes, you should get in the ring and count three, maybe foreshadowing what was going to take place. And I look at Jeff, and I'm like, and I look at Jeff and then I look around and I'm like, fuck it. And I bolt in the ring. I count one, two, three, I call for the timekeeper, and Cahegas is your new champion. I was really excited about it. Uh it you know, again, it really meant a lot to me to be able to do it. And uh, I stood there with Cahagas. Cahagas is manager, too, uh, Dante Brown. And here's a guy that uh, was a promoter in Florida for years. He's been around. He's a great guy. He's been to a couple of our FanFests as a guest. Without, you know, didn't have a table or anything, but he's a good guy. He's a, he really loves pro wrestling. And, uh, I was able to, uh, you know, he, he's great. He goes, bro, get on the other side. We'll both raise Kehagas's arm. So even though my direction, you know, I'm, I'm still a little confused by it all. That was a really great fucking moment for me and I I got to say I was it's like I was a, a 12-year-old kid like living out a dream so it was one shot I don't see this happening all the time but really a true highlight for me Jeff
0: so two things uh first of all how uh how much did it uh just completely uh, uh let your ego run wild when the crowd Barry began chanting Barry Barry Barry
1: sure it's and that that's a great so when we we were doing the first thing they were chanting kahegas is going to kill you and somehow it turned into barry's going to kill you to rich Ayala and then in the main event well you're a bit of a shooter let's be honest Barry. let's be honest it's and but then in the main event they're they're chanting my name again and kahegas turns around and goes fuck you brother you stole my thunder just like that with and he's got a really raspy voice and obviously there was a big smile on his face and uh and everything and uh but it was it it really meant you know look it, again i uh i'm a self-serving 12-year-old it was it was it's something jeff on my dying day is as insignificant in a lot of ways as it may seem that was a moment that 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 night that whole weekend but that moment is something truly going to be special for me forever okay second thing
0: Was there any talk during this strategy section, which by the way, I was not made privy to, son of a bitch. Uh, was there any talk of Barry Rose perhaps not only taking a bump, but going through a flaming table?
1: No. So the bump thing came up and, uh, I, I'm a little cautious of my neck. So I, uh, I, you know, we were like, so in the future it might, but there was talk and I'll clue you in if I was still in town. Over the weekend, uh, and then going into the show, which would take place tomorrow night was that they were going. So I should say they, they stripped Cahagas the next day of the title. What? What? I'm who, not who a, made, li- like,
2: who was the
0: commissioner? The that commissioner, meeting?
1: Rick Thames.
0: Oh I, my God, Rick, I they, can't believe
1: they reviewed the videotape. And because I am not a licensed official, they are. Well, you're
0: licensed in, in PA, just not Florida. Well, I don't understand the discrepancy there.
1: I'll claim that absolutely, but they, they strip Cahagas and they're holding a tournament this Friday night and it, it'll be, it, I encourage you if you're anywhere within the Lutz, Newport, Ritchie area, there's a Culver's about a mile away. I know if I was there, I would be there in a heartbeat, uh, whether I was participating or not. Cause it, I have so much fucking fun at those shows, but, uh, there was talk. So in a nutshell, if I had stayed in town, I was going to be a brought in as a special troubleshooting referee Ooh. with an actual official referee this time. However, I would have apparently turned. they couldn't
0: meet Bruce Owen's financial demands.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> However, I would have turned heel at the very end and helped Rich Ayala win the world title back. So I love the idea. Unfortunately, I'm sitting in, uh, you know, cloudy Sellersville PA and not there, but I, I
0: encourage. I can't, I can't believe that Rick Thames didn't fork out the cash and pay you to be flown back down to because I'm sure you would have been willing to do that if they had, uh, you know, quite frankly paid the freight. That's a hundred percent for sure. That's yeah. true. So now we get to Saturday. We have the Fan Fest. Uh, you know, you know what off. I want to
1: share? I want to oh, share please. a moment. Well, we went to – we should say we did go to Glory Days after, yeah. and it's always, to me, being able to chill at Glory Days is just a lot of fun. It's We're in a big group. We're having fun. We're drinking. We're telling jokes. We're doing things. But we headed back to the hotel, and uh, I was out. So the hotel, it was broken up into several components. I was outside in the smoker's cabinet. And there was – Ben James was running the full bar in the conference room, which was part of the the thing. If you go to the wrestling show and do the Q&A with Nord – we got to say Nord was a fucking revelation, wasn't he? Just a wonderful guy. Hilarious. Um, hilarious and warm and sincere. Just really liked everything about him. But I'm standing outside. It's 1.30 in the morning. I'm holding Ozzy, and I look from the outside into the lobby and that first table closest to the door bill alfonso is there he's got he's sitting down he's got three people in chairs and then he's got two people standing behind them so he's holding court with a group of five and you got to remember fonzie wasn't booked until saturday and he went out to lunch with us on Friday, brought us to his home, and now he shows up, and it was like midnight he showed up and was just going to hang with everybody and party a bit. And I look to the left, and to the left, sitting on the bench where the beverages are and, and the food and all that shit, Nord's got two pizza boxes on his lap, and he's holding court with 12 people. Then there's people scattered throughout the lobby, not, and I'm not even taking into account who was outside in the smoker's cabinet and also who was in the room because I couldn't see it. But I called over Ben James. I'm like, Ben, do you got to look at this? Just look at this. And it, that really right there signified fan fest for me. It was like, that's the moment. You know, I, we can put wrestlers in front of fans and do all this other stuff, but to me, it's the little moments like this, where Nord and Fonzie are holding court, you know, or even when we're over at Glory Days, you know, Fonzie and Nord joined us on Saturday night over at, at Glory Days. It's little moments like that, which really, to me, typify everything that we were trying to do. And that's just to bring wrestling to a group, a great group of people, which is our Brothershippers, and to give them the view. But I really liked it. But then Saturday came around, well, was, wait a minute. I, before,
0: uh, I have one thing to interject please. before we talk Saturday. So uh, for those of you that weren't at the event Friday night, I do have to tell you one very funny thing that happened. So uh, Ben James was in the ring. Uh, Nord was doing a and a uh, from inside the ring, uh, you know, talking about his career uh telling very funny rib stories uh the 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 dusty road story by the way was was very funny was this uh,
1: the dusty roads muffler story yeah
0: he he lost his muffler uh that
1: might be the greatest story i had I had never heard before yeah but i yeah. I will tell you nord doing dusty road imp- impersonations yes. Sunday, I go into Publix, I'm getting the proverbial, I had to, it's the only time I did it, I got the chicken tender, so maybe the best one I ever got, Jeff, fucking loved it. And then I walk over to the bakery, and I'm looking and I'm going, let me tell you something, baby, a man needs his pastries. You, you You dig what I'm saying to you, a man needs his pastries, baby and i was like holy fuck like you know i'm now doing john nor doing dusty Rose. Right. <laughs>
0: exactly well so uh, just for the uh, for the people that weren't there the muffler story is apparently uh i, I don't know if it's a standard practice because i had never heard this before uh but there is a certain percentage of wrestlers that uh would uh roll up over their hand a big wad of toilet paper Insert it within the back of their trunks just in case there was uh, any sort of incident, uh, that, uh, if you, especially if you were wearing white or light colored trunks that you would not want to have exposed to the audience, there would be a certain cover up factor. Uh, I hope you get what I'm meaning. Uh, <laughs> most, most famously, Barry, here, here's a, a way back machine. I remember when I first started getting the observer in 1986, big Bob Owens in the Kansas city territory had an incident where he was not wearing a muffler. Oh. <laughs> And it was, uh, apparent to everyone in the audience that Big Bob had, uh, he had not cut a promo. He cut something else that, uh, fell loose in the trunks. And, uh, it was obvious to everybody, but that's why the muffler, uh, was in place for Dusty Rhodes when, uh, when he talked to, uh, Nord in the dressing room, you know, baby, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my muffler in. And, uh, so anyway, so during the Q and A back, back to the day, during the Q and A, Nord is talking. It's getting towards the end of his segment and <clears throat> he says, uh, does, they, uh, does everybody know that, uh, I, uh, I wear dentures? And like, you know, he's looking around and everyone's like, what? What? He then proceeds to reach into his mouth. He pulls the teeth out and puts them in his pocket. And he goes, okay, now I can finish the Q&A. And, and it was absolutely,
1: at one point it was like, <laughs> oh my God, did he just do that? And apparently, Jeff, as he was telling people, he had never done that before. In a public appearance, it's the first time, but that's how comfortable he felt. And, and he, Nord was the true revelation of the weekend. I didn't know what to expect. And Nick Massey, our old friend Captain, Captain's Corner, had told me that John Nord was tailor-made for this event. Really personable, friendly guy, and he's going to treat you like an old friend within the first five minutes of meeting him. Nick undersold him because he really was a – he's literally – he and Fonzie to me are the two guys. These are the two guys that you want to have at any fan fest anywhere across the country because all they want to do is spend time with people. It's not a question of I got to go. I, you know, I can sign this, whatever. These guys will stay with you all day and all night. And they were fantastic, but the, the denture thing was great. The muffler story was great, which I had never heard of. But Jeff, let me ask you a question. You brought up Big Bob Owens. I know I remember Jimmy Backlin. When he was wrestling Abdullah, if you remember that one, where there's the infamous skid marks. And then the the late Jimmy Backlund, the late Winona Littleheart, I believe, got a visit from her monthly friend. Oh, my and this would have been, I'll say, 79. I'm not exactly sure. But I it was in Miami Beach and I was there. I'm sure the professors got photos, though. I don't know why you'd want to see them. But I, I wonder, you know, I never knew that first off, that muffler deal, that as guys get older, they have to sh- – <laughs> all <right. I'm, laughs> i got to get a grip on this one. So as guys get older, as wrestlers get older, they as they get older and they're out, they put the muffler in because when they get slammed i guess it could knock the air out of you and cause you to go so this is very common but nord was very when he knocked out dusty's muffler he was very graphic in the description of the colors of the muffler <laughs> uh if you remember which was i was like Ugh! You know, a little nauseating it to was, hear it was Alternately horrifying and hilarious. <laughs> so there you go. That's exactly what it was. It was at times we're laughing and, and at times wanting to vomit, but it was, uh, but he was just, he, his stories were great. He had no problem taking over that hour, 75 minutes, whatever it was, and really just enthralling. Us. So yeah, great stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I will just say, uh, before we get to Saturday, one last thing. Uh, I know that at the end of the event, uh, on Sunday, uh, Nord was heading down to South Florida and he rode down there with, uh, uh, Greg, never have listened to the show yet. Good. And, uh, <laughs> our boy, uh, our boy Flaherty. And, uh, you know, I called Flaherty. I said, how'd the ride go? And Flaherty said, it, Greg didn't say like two words. It was me and Nord basically going back and forth, just talking, not, not only wrestling. He, he talked sports with them. Uh, you know, and, uh, I, I guess Nord's a big sports fan. So they were able during the car ride down to, uh, South Florida just to kind of be two guys shooting the crap about not only wrestling, but sports. And I think that's pretty cool. So Saturday we had, uh, you know, the Baron, uh, Baron von Raschke, uh, Gary Michael Capetta, the Glamour Gals, Nord, so many uh Steve Kern and Jerry Briscoe. It was a great event, great turnout. So let me just say this. I, you know, I was talking to somebody after the event was over. And the Baron, uh, you know, let's be honest, he's very soft-spoken. For a guy that's been his whole uh, career as a German villain, okay, he's very soft-spoken. He's a, a guy that was a, a teacher. I, I want to say, I don't know if it was high school or middle school, but, uh, you know, and I said, you know, I said, we had an event here where Ricky Morton basically turned into a Baptist preacher and was working the room. And, uh, you know, he was hilarious and very entertaining but then you have soft-spoken Jim Rashke there with his daughter, and you know every event is different, but really enjoyable for two different reasons. I enjoyed the hell out of uh, you know guys, low-key guys like Ricky Steamboat, Magnum T.A., uh, and you know, and Jim Rashke for the same reasons. But then I also enjoyed Ricky Morton, uh, you know, uh, running up and down the aisles and and uh, you know getting people to be interactive and ask questions and and all that kind of stuff. Every event that was there, all 10 of them were great for completely different reasons. Sometimes Barry.
1: Oh, you just, uh, you summed it up about as good as I could. You know, you look at even Gary Michael Capetta. Yes. I I have to, I don't mean to interrupt. I was
0: not expecting his show to be nearly as entertaining as it was. Neither was I. Neither
1: was I. And, And it was, that was a, there was another amazing revelation. And I'll tell you what, he is one of the brighter guys I think I've ever dealt with. And he was so smart. That in the beginning of his segment, he asked a question and he completely, he he endeared himself to the audience. And he, the question was, how did you get involved in pro wrestling? And I, I'm paraphrasing, but he didn't want to know what your first match was. He wanted to know the circumstances that led you to seeing wrestling. And invariably, it always involves a family member, whether it's your dad, your mom, grandfather, grandmother, who brother, sister, whatever. It's always a family member and everybody's stories were about how important wrestling was when they were young in relation to their families. And he had a great quote. I, I don't remember, but it was something about the fabric of professional wrestling is woven into the rest of our lives. And it was just, you know, he was just so smart in the way he did it, but I didn't know what to expect. He was a very good guest when we had him on. I still had no idea. And the next thing you know, Gary was contracted to go 45 minutes. It's 90 minutes later and Gary goes, should I wrap up? It's like up to you, Gary. You're doing a great job. People are into it. Intelligent, thought-provoking, and highly entertaining. He was a true fucking revelation,
0: and, and you know. Here again, you have uh, within one fan fest, you have John Nord dropping his teeth out, telling funny stories about a guy putting a gimmick in his uh, in his in his shorts, so in case he shits himself, it'll be covered up to some extent. And then you have Jim Rashke, who's a, uh, an educator, uh, Gary Michael Capetta, who's an educator. He's a Spanish teacher, and. It, Three guys that really couldn't be any more different from one another, and yet they were all fascinating for their own reasons. And, you know, so here's something else I I wanted to mention, Barry. After the event was over, and it was, like I said, tons of fun, we, we go to Glory Days, and we've got a table of about, ah, man, maybe 25 to 30 people. And I told Barry afterwards, I said, I'm looking around at this table, and this is what I see at this table, Barry. I see three doctors, okay? I see an attorney, I see a CFO of a company, a minister, and a guy that owns a strip club. I, I mean, like, that is what the brothership, to me, is all about, is that you have such wildly diverse people of different professions and different careers, and they're all united by their love of wrestling wrestling their love of maybe our group had something to do with it. Uh, This show had something to do with it. And it really kind of impacted me, Barry. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really pretty cool. I was sitting next to, I'm going to give him a shout out, Chris Garcia. Okay. I'd never met Chris before. I just sat down. We started chit chatting with one another, come to find out that Chris, I believe, I don't know specifically where he is, but he's somewhere in the Tampa area and he's a doctor. Uh, I don't know if it's family medicine or uh, uh, an internist, but here's a guy that's just, he was a wrestling fan. And so we started talking about wrestling and then, you know, uh, he started talking about his medical career. And, you know, I, I was telling him about my, uh, you know, when I had the non Hodgkin's lymphoma and he was very interested in that. And all this started because two guys like pro wrestling and that's what got Chris and I together on that particular evening and. The fact that all these, you know, and let me give uh, some shout outs to some guys that were there for their very first time. Ron Gardner was there for his first time. Uh, Tim Graff was there for the first time. Jeremy Marshall. Jeremy Marshall is a minister that somehow comes in and manages to uh, ingratiate himself to our group. You know, who would, who would think with all the different, uh, dare I say, very eclectic personalities that are within our group? Here's this guy that's a, a minister from, I believe, North Carolina, and he's in there because he's just shooting the breeze with a bunch of guys that are pro wrestling fans, and I thought that was awesome. Colin Spencer, who came down, uh, you know, I mentioned Chris Garcia. It was great to see people that, although it may have been the last CWF Legends Fan Fest, Barry, they were able to make the trek down uh, to Tampa and to Lutz to have their first experience at a CWF Legends Fan Fest.
1: There really was, and and to get the the positive feedback after the event, you know, from whether it was Tim, and Tim came with his good friend Glenn, and Glenn made these shirts for us. Uh, oh, yeah, that was amazing, by the way. Yes. And they're, I mean, they're fucking, you know, I'm going to wear the hell out of that shirt. Great shirt. It was great. Ron Gardner, just a great guy buying drinks and we're sitting around and it's two, two o'clock in the morning. We're just sitting around bullshitting and having a great time. I love that. You know, it was great. You, you brought up Dr. Chris Garcia and as you and I were talking to him turns out his son just graduated I believe and like yeah, biomedical the, uh something <laughs> like, yeah, exactly
0: like, like yeah he didn't he didn't uh you know this was not uh community affairs or anything like that yeah yeah biomedical engineering something like, and I was like holy shit. Right? <laughs> apparently okay, Chris and his wife have got something going on that they've got kids graduating with those kind of degrees
1: and the best part of Chris Garcia he looks like what about 25 years old like yeah. he's yeah he, yeah he's 54. So, so successful that, doctor that's yeah, to say uh, yeah. you're you're
0: you're 54. You look like you're 25. You're a real son of a bitch. My yes. Friend. It yeah. Really pissed
1: he, me off when you told us. He that. Got a great career. His kids are doing great. And the guy just looks like another guy. It's uh, yeah, I was. Uh, anyways, it was great to meet him, but it was great to meet, you know, guys like Ron Gardner and Tim Graff that we've also been communicating with for years. Just so much fun. That, that that was a highlight. But Gary Michael Capetti, getting back to Gary Michael, had no idea what to expect and was really riveted by his show. He had a, a way of really holding the audience. He had a great line. He goes, I'm not going to come up here and do Barry Manilow songs or put on a mask. Clearly taking a shot at Bill after when he was saying that. But he put on a great segment, again, going 90 minutes. The Baron was great. You led the Q&A. So let me ask you a question with that. You, uh, you've done every main event Q&A since day one. And we should say it started off. You, you, uh, you were at the first fan fest and I don't know if I approached you or you approached me about The Assassin, but you wound up doing the Q&A for The Assassin. And Penzer, who still has the first penny he ever earned, it's been uh, laminated and hangs on a wall, came over and said, you know, we should have Jeff do this every time. He's really good. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is Jeff's forte. That's exactly what he does. And uh, you did every single dinner Q&A for us, you know, all 10 what was the revelation during the Von Raschke? Because in, in every one, there's always these little subtle things that take place. What did you get from the Von Raschke Q&A? Um, I
0: You know, I don't know that I necessarily learned something that I didn't know, because, you know. The Baron, I believe, was either the last or the second to last dinner that we did uh, in South Florida that <clears throat> that I was involved in. But uh, they're now still going on. Uh, I call them lesser dinners at this point, Barry. So I knew a lot of the stuff, you know, when I was throwing stuff out to him, I knew basically what he was going to talk about. Like, you know, the whole amateur background. I could have started off, oh, tell us about Bobby Heenan. But I wanted to get into how he first started in the business, because I think it's always good to start at the very beginning. It was kind of nice uh having his daughter up there with him. And his daughter was actually uh addressed a question about what it was like to grow up as the child of a, a, a heel wrestler, you know, which I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, I don't know that we've ever had the opportunity to ask somebody that question, you know. Right? And so that was kind of cool. So uh I do want to say Barry uh since you mentioned Penzer, dare I say do we discuss uh what was said at the table on Saturday night when uh when Penzer suggested that I never be allowed to do another Q&A segment?
1: Well, that we'll get to that in a second because your line was so acerbic and biting. That even Penzer congratulated you for For it's not often that you'll insult somebody so heavy that they'll actually look at you and go, that was pretty fucking good, man. And that's exactly what Penzer did. I think we need to back up a little bit because there is a story that was told that I did not know about at FanFest that Gary Michael Capetta was telling. And that was unbelievable. So in 19, I believe it was 1994 or 95, Gary Michael Capetta was in contract negotiations with WCW. This was to renew his contract. His lawyer at the time was a a man named Chris Qualman who happened to have bought a ticket to this fan fest and was there because they were never able to come to terms wcw rejected the contract or maybe qualman did gary michael capetta was done with him and they brought on full-time david penzer and in one room you've got gary michael capetta the man who replaced him david penzer and the lawyer chris qualman holy fuck yeah and it was uh it was
0: interesting because uh my wife was was asking me about uh, oh like uh, Gary Michael what, what did he do and you know I, I was explaining uh, and the way I put it into terms I said uh, there's Gary Michael Capetta uh, who was a, a ring announcer for the WWF for WCW for the AWA uh, literally every company that you can think of in the last say 40 years uh, and I said you see Gary I said then there's David Penzer David Penzer essentially thinks he's what gary michael Capetta was so
1: okay so so which was (laughs) which was really probably the start of it but so we get to the restaurant uh we're in glory days and we got to say one of the knocks on penzer on the first nine events was that he's not the warmest guy he doesn't really hang out he's not overly sociable but at this event I guess something clicked. He's like, I guess I got to fucking do it now. I'm never doing it. And he became Mr. Sociable in a sense. So he was hanging out with us. We're over at Glory Days. I've got Linda on one side. I think Pens are sitting next to me. You've got Chris Garcia on one side and Mrs. The Sainted, the second Sainted. uh, uh, She prefers the angelic. The angelic. Uh, yeah, she's not a big fan of the term saint. And then you and Penzer start to have a conversation. I will now back off and let you take over. Well, uh, first of all, I was in a conversation
0: with uh Dr. Chris Garcia about something. And uh, uh I don't think he was sitting next to you uh, because uh Penzer sidles up and he begins having a conversation with you. He's sort of leaning over you. And I hear him while i 'm having my conversation with Chris Garcia saying oh uh, if you uh, if you decide to do another one of these events somewhere else, Barry, you need to make sure that uh, baldron's not a part of it, uh, trying to get me to look at him and go yeah okay, that 's great and so you know so i 'm continuing my conversation with Chris because quite frankly, it would be rude of me to stop my conversation with with Chris uh, and you know put over whatever Penzer wants me to say to him. And so I guess he must have said it again. Oh, and he said something the effect. Oh, he's acting like he doesn't hear me, uh, something like that. Uh, at which point, uh, <clears throat> I look at, uh, Mr. Pinzer and I said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were still trying to glom some fame off of Gary Michael Capetta.
1: <laughs> and, uh,
0: I believe he staggered at that point, uh, backwards. He
1: staggered. He had the beverage, the cocktail in hand and he, uh, he literally, Came, I think he even put his hand out for you to shake. And he gave, me, he gave,
0: no, he gave me the dap,
1: uh, if the, you look okay. at He yeah, gave yeah, you the cool. dap, but it was a, he, he did
0: later say, you know, uh, you really, uh, you could have been one of the boys if you could, uh, you can bring the fire back that good. And, and that's uh, it. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was a uh, good, I, I will say, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have ribbed Dave and discussed with Dave, uh, and his approximately uh, what 18 million listeners, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, yeah. or something like that. But, uh, you're right. He was far more outgoing and gracious at this event. Uh, you know, I will give all credit to him. And, you know, I, I posted something on there, uh, on, uh, on our Facebook group. You know, a lot of people, uh, not only in our group, but, uh, elsewhere have said, boy, you know, I, I can't wait to go to, uh, to Barry and Jeff's, uh, legend at CWF Fan Fest. It was never Barry and Jeff's. It was Barry and David Penzers and, Barry and David Penzers, uh, was, were the people that put on this event. I will say that, uh, giving credit words due, uh, my partner on this show, my friend Barry Rose, he folks, whether you realize that or not, he busted, he busted his fucking ass on every one of these events because, you know, after the events are over and sometimes before Barry will tell me about, uh, here you go, Barry, one of your favorite words, the Michigas. <laughs> the 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 bullshit, the drama that goes on dealing with people. There are some people that Barry deals with and uh, yeah, sure, okay, great, boom, never hears another word until the day of the fan fest and then hey, how you doing? great And those people I'm sure to Barry Rose are just a godsend. Then there's the other people that are trying to nickel and dime every single thing out of Barry and Penzer. And there's the guys that want to have, well, if you're going to advertise me, I need you to advertise me as such and such, you know, and, and kind of put me over, uh, you know, all the fucking drama, all the, you know, like I can't tell you after 10 events how many times Barry Rose has told me, I'm not fucking doing this again. This is not worth my time. And ask yourself if you think that Barry or Dave, Made a lot of fucking money off these fanfests. Because the answer is no. Barry's policy was always like, you know, if if I can break even, I'm good. If I make a little bit of money, that's great. He is not in this. I'm going to cut a fucking promo, Barry. Uh, He is not in this to make fucking huge money like some sack of shit's that are out there that want the line to keep moving hair gears design uh, your signature there's the handshake with uh, whoever and keep the line fucking moving because we got people trying to get it out of here and when you got like a thousand people that want to shake hands with whoever the wrestler might be or a thousand people that you want to charge money because oh let me take a quick snapshot with so and so oh hey uh that'll be an extra 25 or 30 bucks no, this fan fest was never like that. And there are motherfuckers out there that try to scam you for every fucking nickel that you have. They want you to walk out and go, man, I walked in here with a lot of fucking money. And after taking a photo with this guy or getting a handshake with this guy or getting an autograph with this guy, I'm fucking broke. And that's what Barry and David never wanted to do. And they never did. This was not about scamming you out of your fucking money like other people out there do. I'm not going to mention any names. They were never about that. They wanted this to be interactive, uh, have some fun, be able to sit down in a in a hotel lobby, uh, you know, the waiting area, and shoot the shit with John Nord. I took a picture the morning after the Fan Fest with uh, uh, the, the sainted Jana Seacrest sitting with John Nord just kind of shooting the breeze. You know, and, and I said, okay, who had John Nord talking with Janice Seacrest on their bingo cards this <laughs> You know, and it was so nice. And then, like you said, you got, you got the, the smokers club. You sit out there and, and, uh, without mentioning any names in past fanfests, there have been gentlemen that, uh, perhaps set out there with uh, the gang, maybe to uh, enjoy a nice, uh, <clears throat> after evening smoke or to have a beer and su- shoot the shit with them. You know, this is not something you get at every other fanfest. That's what made the fanfest. That Barry and David Penzer put on. So enjoyable and so much fun. And to both of you, I say salute and Barry Rose. This will be a single round of applause for both of you.
1: Well, I, I, first off, I'm humbled by your comments. I'm a little, uh, a little misty eyed and I, I do appreciate You're a little verklempt. A little verklempt when you went to the Michigas, but, uh, but you're here's the right topic. Talk amongst yourselves. This, this was will there be effort? another fan fest anyway there won't and it is uh i mean i'll be doing something in another uh another you know which there's more on that to come but this is the last and the truth is a lot of it is uh you know it let's discuss the economic situation. Everybody costs more. Flights cost more. Hotels cost more. Gas costs more. And then the appearance fees cost more. And we can only run so many events and bring in Jerry Briscoe and Steve Kern, right, who have been in Cuban Assassin and Fonzie. I can only do that so many times. And eventually it's like, you know, where do we go? There's just nobody – Nobody left locally and then guys nationally, like we, I'll give you an example. We had Larry Zabisco. I think it was our fourth or fifth event and Larry was great. And we got Larry who drove over from Orlando at a very reasonable price. Larry's current asking price because of supply and demand in some form is about seven times what we paid him. And my goal was as, you know, with, we lost Ken Patera, uh, and, and, I'm in my head going, okay, what do we do? Where do we go? Baron had already told me he didn't think he could do it at his age to come and down. And please to let me just
0: interrupt, Barry. You did say that the Ken Patera not appearing had nothing to do with a financial issue, correct?
1: It, no, no. So Ken, and I can tell you it was disappointing because we were going to do a theme of Super Bowl of wrestling and Ken was kind of the cornerstone of that. And, uh, Ken had back surgery so they had been trying to schedule him for back surgery but there was a lot of concerns uh, twofold one is he's uh 80 he's 79 or 80 years old and the second was he was he's 300 pounds and they were really afraid to do this back surgery and ken's been in a motorized scooter for the last year give or take maybe a year and a half And as it turned out, I get the call, and they have scheduled his back surgery for the 16th of May, meaning there is no way he's getting on a plane two weeks later to be down in Florida. So some people had reached out and said, what do you mean he canceled because of health reasons? He's in St. Louis, and it was like St. Louis was days before his surgery. He's not doing anything. He was Somebody said he's supposed to be at the gathering. He's not going to be there. Ken can't get on a plane. You know, it's like our old friend Bruce Cohen with his health issues and what he went through. Bruce, unfortunately, couldn't be there at the fan Fest. It You know, there is a good amount of time. So, so, yeah. But with that, we were lucky to get to Baron. We were lucky to have who we had. And Baron was, again, he was a last minute thing. It was like, you know, I called him and he goes, so we can do it. And I was like. I can do it from my end, Baron. Can you do it from your end? He goes, absolutely, we can make this happen. But So getting back to FanFest, there were some real highlights there as well. And part of it is uh, I asked Nick Massey to come to give me an overall assessment of what he picks up from it. And the, what he got from it, which he loved, was the vibe. There is an energy that occurs. We didn't always have it. You know, and it's, uh, uh, there is a couple of fanfests that, that I think were much lower energy, but the last, I think post COVID, every single one has been really, really good. And I just got a message from Jeff, so we can discuss that story without mentioning a name. And he was borderline if we can mention his name, Jeff. And, uh, I am, uh, I think we can certainly talk about it. and We should. All right, Did, so
0: let, let's let, let me let me just uh, interrupt here. So the story that we're going to reference, without mentioning uh, the names, uh, they've been changed to protect the innocent. <clears throat> so we, during the course of a ten fan fest, uh, have had a lot of really funny shit that happens not not just in the fan fest the, the, the after parties uh you know over uh, at, at glory days uh, you know we've talked before about a certain uh not to be named individual who may have overindulged himself on some edibles at one of the fan fest and was sort of walking around in a daze uh you know uh that was a great story uh we had the story of someone who uh unfortunately had a uh a maid walk in on him, uh, during an act of, uh, enjoying his own body to the full extent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's rather uh, large body, but, um, this time I will say at, uh, the CWF legends fan fest 10, we had the very first time in the history of this fine fan fest that a brother shipper, uh, this is the, uh, I've made notes, Barry. This is the term I used the very first time a brother shipper. Took it to the hole, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he apparently picked up a, a young lady at Glory Days the night after the fan fest in, ended, uh, and, uh, brought her back, uh, and was able to, uh, uh, apparently he must have performed because, uh, the young lady in question, uh, who by the way was a, at least 20 years younger than him. Uh, so God bless those little blue pills. I don't know. Uh, but he managed to, uh, seal the deal and, uh, she woke up uh, in the morning and left the hotel. Uh, reminds me, you remember the, the famous, uh, starting a live sketch, uh, sketch where, uh, Glo- Gloria, not Gloria, uh, Gilda Radner, uh, was, uh, at a bar and she got picked up and she was using a perfume and the perfume was called Hey You. And, uh, Gilda sprayed it and she met some guy in a bar. And the next, next, uh, scene is her walk into the hotel and she's all disheveled. And the, uh, the catch line was, uh, Hey You, the, uh, the perfume of one night stands. So, uh, congratulations to the brother shipper who uh, apparently uh, was uh, picking up a young lady who used the perfume, hey, you, the perfume of one night stands. I will say there have been other brother shippers and Barry, I think you're going to know who I'm talking about here, who may have taken it to the whole. But that involved payment uh, of a a certain uh, certain amount. Uh, So that, in my estimation, does not count, Barry, because. This was uh, unpaid. Taking it to the hole. This was not uh, making a phone call uh, and having shown, uh, someone show up at the hotel where there may have been a uh, you know a cash uh, remuneration uh, paid. <coughs> Barry, do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about, and we both love that guy as well. But the the gentleman. Let's just say he likes a, a certain kind of food. Uh, you know, I'm just he saying, does. Yeah. The gentleman we're talking about, Ohio Zone, if I can give him that nickname, and somebody that had uh, oh. H, I, O. And he had a relationship change without giving away too much over the last year, so this was the first time that he has been, uh, carnal with a female since that relationship. Not
0: counting times, uh, by himself, I'll just say. No, perhaps. not counting Maybe. that,
1: but, but how great that he can come to a fan fest and forget about whatever troubles he's got and have a great weekend with a, the brother shippers, which is yes. really a tremendous. And then uh, the capper is wind up getting laid as well. Let's um, just say he's now set the bar. Yeah.
0: What brother shipper, hopefully single, not someone who's in a relationship? Because I got to be honest with you, I ask when I was told this story, wait a minute, isn't he married? <laughs> and very uh, informed me he was not. Uh, so I was, uh, you know. Not, not that I would cast judgment or anything, but I would sure. have, uh, you know, but, uh, so anyway, loots, tremendous fun, always a good time going down there. Uh, you know, uh, the food, uh, Mrs. Baldron took a side trip apparently, you know, my, we, we took, we took a side trip to Jacksonville after the event was over. Mrs. Baldron discovering that apparently about five miles down the street, uh, on that road, right off where the hotel is, straight shot, there was a cupcake place. And uh, we picked up Ooh. some uh, cupcakes for uh, the original sainted Mrs. Baldrin. Uh And when we delivered them uh, to her house uh, on the way home, she was extremely happy and really enjoyed the cupcakes. So there's a little bit of something for everyone in Lutz, Lutz, Florida, on behalf of Barry Rose, David Penzer, and myself, and everyone else that's been to any of these FanFests, thank you so much for showing us a great time uh, and lots of fun and until we meet again.
1: Well, Jeff, I I got a couple of other notes I wanted to How dare to share. you cut me off when I'm doing I my know. closing segment I oh, know. I know it's share. I I did. I I wanted to share a couple other notes. First off, those cupcakes were fantastic. Mrs. Baudrin said take one and I chose hot fudge pride, which I got it. I had in. the Elvis one. How was that? It was a, it was
0: a cho- it was a chocolate cupcake with a uh, a frosting uh that had uh, I think peanut butter filling and you know because uh Easy E he liked uh he liked those uh uh, and oh, I know uh, the topping was banana because famously Elvis liked uh sandwiches that were peanut butter and banana, which i I can't even imagine why he might have put on weight later in life, <clears throat> but you know
1: that'll do it to you so uh, getting back to your cupcake absolutely so there that cupcake was fantastic and thank and you Kim is uh you know I, I Kim and I were joking, but i don't know if it's a joke, Jeff, and the truth is she's kind of a quote unquote den mother. For all of us miscreants, and somehow, if there is something that needs to be done, Kim gets it done if there 's food that needs to be ordered, Kim orders the food and there you know if there 's a problem Kim 's there to solve the problem, so I do believe I have to get her on the payroll in anything that I do in the future because she makes shit run smooth, which i 'm eternally grateful for, but a couple of other things I wanted to point out: one was there was a really great moment that i don't think you caught because you don't go to the pool but i uh i obviously like to mutate my dna and spend a lot of time outside and during it was friday or saturday i think it was actually friday i actually went swimming on saturday between the fan fest and the dinner Q and A, which was great but i went out to the pool on friday and i there was a site that uh was really kind of heartwarming. And it, it, first off, I should say William Merriweather was out there in his bathing suit. That's not quite the sight I'm talking about, but. Was it a bikini? It was, he was wearing, William was wearing the, the Speedo with the thong that goes right up the crack of his ass. So it was pretty good. There are photos out there, but in the pool was my better half, the lovely Linda and Mrs. Spiker, Dr. Spiker, Dr. Christine Spiker, and Linda was holding baby JJ Spiker in the water on his back. I believe it was the first time he'd ever been in a pool and the kid was so relaxed. And then just a few feet away from him was Antonio. We're thrilled Antonio Fido was there with us and Antonio was there and he's in his, you know, he's swimming. He's got his family there, his sisters in the water with them and he's playing with a bunch of SpongeBob toys and the happiness that you could see taking place in that pool area was just a really special moment, in my opinion. Like, it was one of those where I was like, I'm really happy I'm able to see it. But I had a, a ride that I wanted to share with you because this was uh, something that I had never, I had never been here before. So I usually on my way down, and and this kind of goes along with what you're saying about the money situation. I, uh, I pay for my own, I drive down to Florida. I pay for my hotel going to Florida. Then I pay for my hotel in Florida and then I pay for the hotel back as well as all the gas. So any money I make when, when it does come to break even, all, once my expenses are paid, I'm not making any money, but I'm thrilled. You know, I still had the greatest time ever and that's all that matters. But we usually on the way home, I should say on the way down, we stay at the same hotel in the same city. It's Pooler, Georgia, which is essentially Savannah. It's Savannah right off of 95, and I'll stay at the same hotel. We eat in the same restaurants. We actually ate at Cheddar's this time instead of Culver's as the dining room was closed at Culver's. Went to Cheddar's, had a great dinner, actually. I love Cheddar's. Linda got a drink called the Painkiller, aptly named, had four sips, and was essentially falling off her bar stool, $7.50. And as somebody that will go out to, uh, restaurants within the Philly metro where drinks are fucking $15, this was 50% of that and it was as strong as shit. Coming back though, I made the mistake of, uh, we didn't leave the hotel until 1130 that day. I didn't wake up until 915, which also never, never happens, but I think I went to bed at 430. And we usually stay at Fayetteville and there's two great hotels that I stay in Fayetteville. One I've stayed at for 15 years ever since I started making these trips. Fayetteville completely sold out everywhere. There is military graduation. I'm not getting in within 30 miles of Fayetteville. So I, I mentioned this to you when we start to look at Lumberton, which is I think the town before and, uh, as we're looking at Lumberton, it's all like Red Roof in and Days in, and it's like 60 bucks. And I'm like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I, I'm one of those that I'll go eat it like a fucking McDonald's if I have to. But if I'm staying in a hotel, I, I can't do it if it's a shitty hotel. It's just not happening. So I find a town called Pembroke, North Carolina, and it's only about from lumberton 10 or 15 miles it's not too far and i'm reading all the reviews of this hotel and it's a holiday Inn express and i don't i normally don't love holiday inns but the reviews are through the roof and every review says the same thing clean and quiet rooms and comfy and i'm like that's all i need to see the other 50 percent that there's comments they're saying interesting drive to the hotel, and I don't know what that means. But I'm, you know, I'm on the fucking road for twelve hours. I'm going to care about an interesting drive, right? That's what I want. I'm bored of my drive, so we get off. We get off really right past south of the border, the south of the border, and we make it a left turn. Then we make a right turn, and this is where I begin to understand what they're talking about. So it says, as we make this right turn on this road, it says ten miles until you reach your destination. It's like ten miles, twenty minutes, because we can only go, you know, so fast. And it is there's not one light on the road. First off, it's nine nine o'clock to nine thirty at night. There's not a single light and everything we're passing is either a auto repa- auto repair body shop a trailer there's no homes on this road apparently it's just all trailers and there's butchers also on this road and there's no lights and it's a two lane road first off so we're 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 essentially 10 miles on this it's a little unnerving but i'm also realizing i don't have a lot of gas so I'm hopeful we're going to see a gas station. If not, I'll have to worry about this the next day and try to make it happen. So I'm watching my ways, my MapQuest, and it's saying the hotel is a mile and a half. And lo and behold, on the right side, Jeff, I see a gas station. It's called... Nick's Picks, I believe, or some it's Nick something, and I think it's Nick's Picks. So I'm excited. I'm like, fuck yeah, there's a gas station. We'll go in, get a couple bottles of water. We'll fill it up. And I, I make the right to turn in, and I immediately know that I have just made a mistake. So apparently Pembroke, North Carolina is home to several motorcycle clubs. Now, we can call them motorcycle gangs, though they don't like it, but that's exactly what this was. And there were <laughs> motorcycle
0: clubs
1: uh that's what they call them they call well, them motorcycle clubs we can call them whatever we want to call them but they uh this was essentially what we know is a motorcycle gang everybody had on a vest there's a name for that as well which uh, escapes me but they're all wearing vests and they have parked their motorcycles all throughout the gas pumps so that nobody's getting through. So I, I'm driving and then I'm like, you know, this is probably not the best idea. And I'm trying to get through on the side of the pumps, but they essentially have that blocked up as well. So discretion being the better part of valor, as Gordon Solie would say, that bitch is in reverse and I'm hightailing it the fuck out of there. They, there was easily 50 motorcycles and, uh, what do they call the, the vests? Uh, fuck, it's gonna kill me. I'll... I know we'll quit recording and then Your I'll finish. Figure... It is their colors, there's something else to it. There's a name for it.
0: Ah. Perhaps perhaps, perhaps ex motorcycle gang member Lou Kippelman <clears throat> will uh, chime in with a, a an answer go. while you're telling the story. Please
1: continue. So we 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 leave we we go out of there and Linda's like uh, that, that was a good move and I'm like yeah I wanted to live tonight that seemed like a really good idea. We're in the middle of fucking nowhere and there's a motorcycle gang completely blocking all the pumps. I'm not going gonna What tell could possibly them, go wrong? What could go wrong? I'm on like you know I've been driving for twelve hours. I'm ready to lay down it's 9 30 at fucking night so we get back in the car and i'm on empty at this date good news the hotel is literally a mile away so picture this we're in a town called pembroke north carolina there is nothing else around literally like deserted and then out of nowhere there's this beautiful oasis of this brand new holiday inn express clean comfortable Whatever it is, I'm feeling optimistic all of a sudden. We pull up to the front and blocking the doors are 12 guys. Now, they're not motorcycle guys, but they're 12 guys on either side of the door all have beer in hand. And these are cans of beer, too. Nobody's drinking Grolsch or anything. We're talking this is this is the anti Bud Light crowd currently. So. I'm like, fuck, I got to do this again? Like, this is you know, but I got to get in the hotel. So I get out of the car and I start to walk to the door and a guy looks at me and goes, P-I-T-T. I'm wearing a pit shirt. And he goes, P-I-T-T. He goes, give me a pit. And I said, pit. And he goes, hell yeah. Pounds my fist. Go in and check in and come out. Another guy says, what you got in the car with you over there? Is that a labradoodle? He goes, I recognize the big pumpkin head. So I'm like, all right, at least the guy's being friendly and trying to bond. I'm like, yeah, that's that's my Labradoodle. I think he called him Golden Doodle. And I said, it's my Labradoodle. It's Ozzie. He goes, for Osborne? And I said, oh, it, it isn't. But I said, absolutely it is. And he goes, man, and I'm not making it up. He goes, that right there, that's a purdy dog. And then he says, is the dog well-behaved? And I know I'm doing a great Southern accent. I said, absolutely. <laughs> it's so, like you got it down. You know. Like I got it down at this stage. So I, I, I get back in the car. We go to a parking spot. I fill Linda in on on what just took place and that when we go to walk through the doors, just walk through the door. Don't make conversation. I'll talk if we have to, but do it. Actually get in the hotel, and then I go to the front desk, and this was great too. I go up to the front desk clerk, and you're going to come into play, because I, I know you know about the Carolinas, especially South Carolina, and I say to the front desk clerk, and I'm like, is there a gas station around here? She goes, oh, absolutely, there's a gas station. You got to go out here. You see right over here, and then you go out, and then you make a right and a left, and I said, are you talking about Nixon? She goes, oh, no, I wouldn't send you there. That's dangerous. So, which was good to know. And then she says, you're going to go and you go right past the Walmart and the Piggly Wiggly. There's the gas station. So, lo and behold, the next day we wake up and I'm like, Linda, we got to get gas. But I'm excited. I'm going to Piggly Wiggly first off. So she said, OK, so then we're in the lobby and this is where you're going to come into play. And uh, I go to check out and I had just been talking to Linda, who's taking Ozzy outside. And the woman <laughs> looks at me behind there. Now, I've never heard this before. And you're going to I need your expertise to tell me if this woman was fucking with me or not. She goes, is that your wife? And of course, I do the old. No, that's not my wife. That's my girlfriend. Yeah, whatever. Like that. You know, I'm not going to. And she goes, I just want you to know. She's got really pretty her. And I said, yeah, she really does. And she goes, is she native? Because that kind of her on her, I've never seen. And the woman proceeded to say the word her, meaning hair, five times in one paragraph, essentially. This was one thirty-second conversation. She she kept going, she has beautiful her. Is she native? Because the natives have her like that. Have you ever heard somebody call hair her? I have never heard that. Okay. And so I'm trying to figure out, the reason I thought she was fucking with me is that she knew I was from PA. It's on my license, which I had to show. It's all there. But she said the word her five times. Usually, you know, that signifies she's looking for a reaction if she keeps saying the word, right? So I was really taken aback. but. I was also excited now because there was a gas station right around the corner, and there's a Piggly Wiggly. Get in the car, go fill up in gas. I'm very excited that I now have a full tank and I can get the fuck out of there, but I'm determined I'm going to Piggly Wiggly because when we had your cousin on, remember, I'm like, is there a Piggly Wiggly near you? I've always wanted a Piggly Wiggly shirt. So, I, I pull into Piggly Wiggly, I think it's 8 o'clock in the morning at this point, and, uh, I have never been in a Piggly Wiggly before. So, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, there's, a, I'm a little excited, this is a big deal, right? I'm gonna check this shit out, so I walk in, I start doing the walk around, now, it, you know, you've heard the expression sore thumb before. Let me tell you who was standing out in the middle of Pembroke, North Carolina, Piggly Wiggly. There were guys in overalls in there. There were farmers there, you know, everybody just looked like they belong. I clearly did not. All eyes were on me. So I, I look around. I walk over to customer service and, uh, and I'm like, Hey, I'm from out of town. Big surprise there can I get a Piggly Wiggly shirt? Absolutely. We got a full rack of shirts over there by the front. Guess what? They're only $4.99. So as a t-shirt collector, which is what I collect, $4.99 is a great deal. I head over to the rack. Unfortunately, the only two that said Piggly Wiggly on it would have fit you know, my daughter when she was six. They were children's smalls. I wasn't getting in. They had a couple of other shirts. One said don't mess with the pig and it's a picture of the pig, but I wanted an official piggly wiggly and I did not get it. So I left broken hearted the store that day, got in my car happy to say I was on the I-95 within about 20 minutes. I survived the motorcycle gangs of Pembroke, North Carolina, Jeff.
0: Well, uh, thank God, because if you hadn't, <clears throat> quite frankly, I'd be doing this entire show by myself. So uh, anyway, as I was saying before, Barry, so, uh, in
1: public, oh, sweet Lou checking in, and he's right. Google says the vests are also known as cuts. That is it. It's called a cut. Thank there you, Lou. So, yep.
0: uh, once again, I would say thank you to everyone who joined, not only Barry and David and myself and the, uh, angelic Mrs. Baldron, uh, and Lutz. We had a great time. And I really hope somewhere down the road, uh, although it may not be in Lutz, uh, somewhere else, perhaps east of that location, <clears throat> uh, that there will in fact be another event of this type, where all the brother shippers and sister shippers, which by the way reminds me of something I did want to say before we wrap up this segment, which has now gone over an hour. You know, you talked about a nice moment that you saw in the pool. I'll tell you a nice yes. moment that I saw <laughs> on Saturday night at uh, at Glory Days. I was sitting there talking. To, uh, I don't know if it was Dr. Garcia or somebody else. And I looked over, and some people started getting up, including you, because uh, I don't know if you know this, Barry. Occasionally, you get up, walk away, and uh, Linda will go, where did he go? Does anyone know where Barry <laughs> uh, yes. you know. so uh But there was a moment when I looked over, and Linda and Kim and Kelly Miller were all sitting there, just three ladies that were there enjoying themselves, and they were just having a, a girls' chat about, you know, uh, about whatever. And that was one of the things I thought was really cool that those three ladies, uh, Dr. Christine Spiker, uh, Benji's girlfriend, uh, Tammy, uh, their daughter, Mackenzie, uh, was there that, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm probably, uh, missing somebody else. Oh, Janice Seacrest, I mentioned the ladies that came down and were able to, uh, you know, even if they weren't wrestling and Kim's not a wrestling fan, but she comes down there and she's able to, uh, you know, Talk with, with Linda and Kelly and Jana and all these ladies that I mentioned that come here to this event and are, you know, fit right in and they're, they're ladies, but they're part of the brothership, uh, you know, and it was so nice to see them down there also. And so once again, on behalf of, of Barry and myself, and, and I'll speak for David Penzer, thank you so much for uh, coming down to Lutz and in uh, having fun with, with not only the gang, but with us and enjoying the hell out of yourself like one of our brother shippers from uh, OHIO uh, was able to come down and apparently have a little bit more fun than the rest of us. Barry, always a good time to be joined by the captain himself, our friend Nick Massey. Welcome, captain. And we're going to talk a little bit of the wrestling classic part three. Coming up, Barry, on June 17th at 11 a.m. in Springfield, Mass., Barry, ask me why June seventeenth is important to me.
1: I was going to ask you another question too, but I'll go first. Let's go with that. Part A: Why is June seventeenth important? Well, it
0: is the very first Mrs. Bowdoin, she who shall not be named. It was her what? birthday, so uh, that's all we need to talk about her. Nick, welcome to Breaking Fabe with Bowdoin and Barry.
2: And, well, in that case, I, I I don't know if I'm allowed, but I like to open with a you know happy uh, early birthday to. Uh, first Mrs. X Bowden. Uh, uh, (laughs)
0: She's she's a regular (laughs) listener to this show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, June 17th, other than that, I'm looking forward to the the wrestling classic three. I'm equally as looking forward to spending time with uh, you boys. As I can say as I I talk to Barry very regularly off air, one of my favorite podcasts, if not my favorite podcast. So anytime I can talk a little shop with you guys, uh, I'm always going to do it. So thanks for having me on.
1: Jeff, I got to interject here, too. Nick, we get we get people that we talk to that we know are blowing smoke up our asses and, you know, basically full of shit. Nick will actually reach out to me and goes, that was a great segment you guys did today or you guys did last week. So Nick is a regular listener. But I actually have a second question, Jeff. This one is directed at you, Nick. I have a feeling you may know the answer. I'm going to ask you to just step aside. I get a feeling Sweet Lou may know this also. So strictly – for my partner, Jeffrey Rain Bowdrin. Or Wayne. What did I call you? Rain?
0: You said Jeffrey Rain, you know.
1: That's oh, a, bit a cool of, fucking name though. Isn't I'm it? a
0: bit of a Rain man, but.
2: You there know. you go. Oh, the, so nice the wrestling time. classic, uh, the third one, when I was at, Nick, which was I at? The second one? You were at the first one. That was October of 2021. Yep. That was, that
1: was a, I had a blast coming up there. This one though, taking place Saturday, June 17th in the beautiful city of Springfield, Massachusetts. Jeff, can you name me a wrestling historian that res- I believe born and raised and currently resides in Springfield, Massachusetts? Think, think highbrow as high up as you can get. McAdam doesn't live in Springfield, Mass. Well, there's a joke there. Let me go back. Think as high up as you can get, though he's not. Hmm. Big hint there.
0: Obviously, I'm missing the big hint. But.
1: So he's <laughs> – all right. So you are. So think of a well-known – when I say high up there, think of a oh, well-known uh, – It is,
0: is a smaller man
1: oh, oh, who,
0: is who is it? may have served his country in Vietnam. Boom! There you go. There it is. The wrestling historian Tom Burke. Will he he be at the Wrestling Classic 3?
2: So, actually, uh, Tom Burke, a couple of Tom Burke's family members, I believe his nephew and then uh, uh, Rob and Mike, they come out to to the first two shows. They always come out to uh, Springfield, Mass, when I do other signings there. So there's a good chance Rob and Mike will be there. I don't know if Tom will be there, but uh, through Rob and Mike, they've actually invited me to see Tom's, uh, you know, uh, museum uh, that oh. he's got. Uh, so I, ha- I haven't taken them up yet, but at some point I definitely want to you know, take a look at the the hell of a collection that he's assembled over the last 50 years.
1: Well, I can only say that if you
0: do go to that wrestling museum that is uh, housed in uh, the, the historical venue that is Tom Burke's house. Nick, can you assure us that you will invite Barry Rose to come along with you?
2: Oh absolutely. Mary
0: <laughs> I know wants to go see Tom Burke. That's all I can say.
1: I do. I I think I uh I now am gonna come up to Springfield this weekend just so I can make it. But Jeff we're, we're really fortunate as we wind up and we're on our last handful of shows, and that's on one hand. But we've had some great guests here. And I think I a think, lot
0: of people know that you're familiar with one particular of your hands, right, Barry?
1: Well, i got to say there was a period where I was switching hands, Jeff, because uh, I oh, had a… Oh,
0: you're the stranger technique, huh? Oh, oh, absolutely. Nice.
1: Well, it's Saturday. You know, if it's a weekend, I, I try to pretend like it's something different. But over the last six years, over the last 295, almost 300 episodes, as we reach the end of the road, I think a big thank you to Nick Massey for for supplying us with. If you think about the array of talent that that Nick made available to us, Stan Hansen, Butch Reed, it, it, somebody help me out here because my memory is completely. Tully shut. Blanchard. Tully, Tully Blanchard. Blanchard. Who else we got? We got. A, we got. Let's talk about Scott, Scott Casey.
0: Scott, Scott Casey. Casey. Let's talk about the ones that he supplied to us that are going to be at the Wrestling Classic 3, Kurt Angle, uh, uh, Lex Luger, uh, um, um, Marty Jannetty. Well, uh,
1: well. well, I will say he's offered Marty to, to us before, I think. I
0: have. We might be able to top the Sean Royal broadcast if Marty Jannetty joins Sean us. Royal uh, was
2: someone I else that I, I, that, I, uh, that I kind of put everything together for. Yes. At,
0: and so maybe Sean was one of the all-time great guests. Yeah, no yes.
1: But look at this lineup, Jeff, and you were just naming it. You put forth a couple of the names. The great Kurt Angle, Lex Luger, Devon Dudley, Marty Jannetty, Teddy Long, the Godfather, Diamond Dallas Page, and this looks like Alicia Fox. Is this her first appearance since she left the WWE?
2: This is her first signing appearance in the New England area. She did one appearance last month. She's only been, I guess, for lack of a better term, a free agent. For about about five or six weeks, so uh, you know she she decided she was no longer going to, you know, be a part of the company, and we knew that in advance, and we were able to you know secure a, a pretty a pretty quick uh, turnaround in terms of uh, public signing with her. But yeah, that's that, that's one of the featured guests, Alicia Fox's first New England area uh, public signing.
0: So well, I tell you what, Nick, uh, this weekend. How long? First of all. I would say Kurt Angle might be the uh, the headline attraction. How long is Kurt going to be available there? Uh, is he going to be there the whole day, or just for a limited time, or what? Great question.
2: Uh Kurt is I like our to headline. Every guest.
0: Once in
1: a while. Hold on. Great question. Uh, Great question. Right.
0: Yeah, One per you. episode. One per
1: episode. That's <laughs> all we're allowed.
2: Now uh, Kurt will be there from twelve to three. He's our headline guest. Our two co featured guests. As we've been saying, DDP and Lex Luger, Lex Luger will be there from 11 to 2. DDP will be there from 11.30 to 2.30. So if someone gets there, you know, pretty much uh, doors open at 11 o'clock. So if someone gets there, that first hour or two, they'll be able to get our three featured guests. If they get there, you know, at at 1 o'clock, they still be able to get our three featured guests. So we kind of want to split it up because what happens at the conventions a lot with the headline guests, everyone might go right to that guest just in fear of them leaving. And what happens is three hours is a good, as Barry knows, is a, is a good amount of time for someone to get through, uh, the various autograph photo requests and video requests, things like that. So Kurt Angle, I mean, I'd love it if he was going to have a line for three straight hours, but at the same time, by staggering him, that allows everyone to come and check out the other vendor guests. You got a lot of great vendors that are bringing the talent and kind of not have to rush. You know, I, I tell Barry all the time, if we could take the vibe, in uh, the residence in Lutz and 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 capsule it and sell it. You know, I'd I'd make sure to buy some for the Rustin Classic, cause you know that's a it's such a cool uh, experience that Barry built in Lutz, and you know maybe Barry and I'll be able to bring that somewhere down the line. But that's kind of one of my goals with the Rustin Classic.
1: Yeah, and it's you know, it's exciting too when I look at this. And I remember the first one. First off, the first event was so much fun because Jacques Rougeau was there. That's another guest that you provided to us, and uh yeah. we, we had a great interview with Jacques, and I got to to spend a little bit of time with him and have a little bit of fun. I also got to meet the great Antonio, Benji Fido's son. That was the first time that I got to meet him, so that was exciting. So looking at the names on the poster, who else is at the event that we're not seeing on this poster next?
2: Oh, so we've got, uh, a, a couple of upcoming stars. Ashley Dembois is going to be there. She just recently signed an AW contract. She's been featured on ROH TV. We've also got, uh, Devon Dudley did make it to the poster, of course. We've got uh, Alicia and Eddie Edwards in Impact Wrestling. Uh, Eddie's probably been there now close, close to a decade or so. You know, oh, when you think, yeah. of, when you think of Impact Wrestling now, Eddie's one of those guys that, you know, uh, wasn't wasn't there for the first ten years, but he's been for been there for a good part of the last ten. And uh, we've got Flip Gordon, who's uh, one of the most talented wrestlers of this era. I feel. What's and he doing these guy. days? Too.
1: This was a guy that was kind of featured in a, a key role on in Ring of Honor. But what what happened to Flip? Otherwise, like where he's not with Ring of Honor, right?
2: So no, no, uh, he is not with Ring of Honor. So he was part of when Ring of Honor folded. At the end of uh, 2021, his contract was one of those that you know wasn't, I guess, wasn't in, in limbo. It just you know ended. So he's actually been doing a lot of stuff with the NWA recently, and uh, w- which I really enjoy a lot of their TV on YouTube, NWA Power, and they have NWA USA. So Flip's actually been a lot of their recent TV taping, some of their pay per views, but he wrestles. I would say if not every week, then three times a month all across the northeast new england he's he's very active and he still he he kills it in the ring still uh, when you see flip gordon now any reason why you haven't seen him on tv recently has nothing to do with his ability that's for sure
1: gotcha too so that's good so you got flip
2: gordon uh, and i'm sorry nick what was it 11am that doors opened up the doors open 11am we'll we'll be there till uh, at least 4 and yeah we're going to have a variety of uh additional vendors that aren't bringing a talent. So if someone's interested in Funko Pops, if someone's interested in sports cards and collectibles, comic books, it kind of encapsules, you know, uh, a few different areas, where there's your autograph people, your photograph people, and then there's some people in between that maybe they just want to pick up a, a cool T-shirt or a unique Funko Pop for comic book. We'll have those vendors there, too.
0: And once again, we're talking uh, this coming Saturday, June 17th at 11 a.m. Uh, it is out the uh, South End Community Center. Barry, get, ro- uh, get ready for this one. You ready?
1: All right. Hold on. I'm still cam I'm strapped in.
0: <clears throat> that is at 99 Marble Street and beautiful, uh, suburban Springfield, Mass. I don't know. They have suburbs in Springfield, Mass. Anyway, that is going to be our friend, uh, the captain, Nick Massey. Uh, and, uh, I believe it is the zombie hideout, uh, besides, uh, the captain that is presenting the wrestling classic three. As we mentioned, Kurt Angle, Lex Luger, uh, Marty Jannetty, Devon, Soma, Diamond, Dallas Page, Hopefully if someone coughs up enough cash, we can get Diamond Dallas Page to give Nick the uh, diamond cutter. Just ribbing you, Nick. So anyway, Nick, once again, it's always a pleasure. We certainly have appreciated all the guests that you have helped us, uh, with, uh, with talking to, uh, as uh, they are promoting their appearances, uh, with the, the captain's corner and such like that. Always a good time, Barry, talking to the captain, uh, Nick Massey, and we certainly appreciate it, my man.
2: Oh, thanks so much, and uh, you guys did an awesome job talking about the Wrestling Classic coming up this Saturday, 11 a.m., South End Community Center. Check out Zombie Hideout for tickets, and uh, if you guys can't collect enough money for me to get hit with the diamond cutter, I'm all yours. Just let me know.
0: So, Barry, I do want to mention something related to wrestling. Barry, as I've stated many times, I am not a uh, big follower of the WWE don't wish them ill, but I just, uh, it's not my, it's not my bag, baby, at least right now, but I do watch AEW. So Barry Rose, tell me, is there anyone on the roster of WWE, whether it's on the raw show, whether it's on SmackDown, whoever that is doing better promos right now than Don fucking Callis? Holy
1: shit, Barry, that guy as a heel is on fire. He is. And I don't, I tell you, I don't watch too much WWE anymore either. Uh, I wish I could. I love professional wrestling, but for some reason I get bored. I think Don Callis and MJF are easily the two best promos in this country and th- they're fantastic. I don't know who would even come close in the federation. And maybe there is. I just I'm not aware if there's anybody uh, else. I got to but- be
0: honest with you. I I love MJF's promos and stuff like sure. that. I don't even think MJF the last couple of weeks and I will just quantify by saying I was not a huge Don Callis fan before But uh not this most recent show, the one we one week before, right after he he made his first debut with uh Takeshka and came out to the ring and you literally could not hear him talk because the crowd wanted to kill him. And I was like, Holy shit, uh I I don't think I've seen a heel get that kind of reaction and I don't know how long. And then I watched last night's show at the time we're taping this, and he was still on fire. And I was starting thinking about it, you know, there are heels that come out and they're sort of, I'll just say like, they're kind of like the annoying prick heel. Okay. You know, like, uh, Jim Cornette, when he was managing the Midnight Express, he, he wasn't like this evil villain. He was like a prick, you know, a rich boy whose mama, uh, paid, you know, all the, all the expenses for him to get this tag team and he waved his tennis racket around. He was kind of a prick. And to me, that's kind of the way, I mean, he has to do a rich boy gimmick like Jay White. Jay White comes off not like some evil villain, but like he's just kind of a prick. Okay. MJF to me comes off and and I'll use a comparison. He reminds me a little Tully Blanchard, you know? Yes. That kind of more, not a prick, an asshole. Okay. And, but Don Callis comes off sort of next level. Like when the people literally want to fucking kill him, that's like a, that's like a novel, a never easy for me to say another level. And I don't know whether it's something that's sustainable, uh, whether he can keep that kind of heat. But, wow, his promos, the last couple – and Takeshka, man, like who knew this guy had this in him, you know? This guy, we, we have been proclaiming for the last year that this guy's going to be a big deal.
1: Barry, we may have <laughs> underestimated it. I think we did and you know Takeshita is too and he is uh I, I think I actually think it's a you know there are mistakes that AEW makes obviously but I think that putting Takeshita with Don Callis in this in Don Callis's current role I think is just genius. And he is, you know, his his promo last night was quick, right? That was only what three minutes, maybe four minutes. It wasn't a long promo, but he goes for the gold right away. The reaction he's getting, they they're drowning him out with the booze. It's just, this is the shit that as wrestling fans, we absolutely love. Like this is the kind of stuff that will have us turning in next week, Jeff.
0: So the other thing I wanted to mention was, uh They started up with the Dark Side of the Ring uh, episodes we didn't get a chance to mention. Uh, They've done one on Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch, and they did did the most recent one at the time of this recording was on the Magnum TA story. (laughs) And, of course, since we had Magnum as a guest at a fan fest, uh, there wasn't a lot of new ground that was covered. Uh, You know, uh, Magnum is he's I got to be honest with you, the guy's such an eloquent speaker, considering all that he went through and his struggle. And God bless him for uh, all that he's managed to make out of his life, even after getting all that he was taken away from him. Uh, It's kind of interesting to see his ex-wife on there. But the Candido Tammy Sitch episode. Was just absolutely so captivating, the story and listening to Chris's mom and brother Talk about the loss of their of their family member, and and then at the end of the show when they got to the time where they were talking about just you know you think about it, a guy dies from a blood clot you know yeah and to see guys like Jim Cornette and Tom Pritchard and uh Lance Storm and they literally all three of them. They broke down and started crying, talking about Chris, you know, and that, you know, hey, you guys got to stop the cameras here because uh, this is just getting to me. And, you know, it's not like Chris died within like the last three months. He's been gone a while now, Barry. Incredibly, incredibly impactful. If you have not yet seen uh, the I mean, I recommend these episodes are usually always really at the at the very base, really solid. But the Candido episode. With Tammy Sitch and oh my God, just the spiral downward of Tammy Sitch. I saw something yesterday where, uh, where Francine uh, from ECW is getting into it on Twitter with somebody. I I don't know if it's who's it, Tammy's boyfriend or.
1: Or I something. believe so. I believe it's her. And I guess he's in charge of her social media. So it's Tammy's boyfriend. I believe she's locked up, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And
0: I don't think she's going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, uh, she should.
1: She should. It, it, yeah. Uh, no, no. But, yeah. uh, Anna she Pools killed Matt. somebody drunk driving. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I got to yeah. tell you, I, yeah, I could go on a fucking rant about that. No, no. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they,
0: they put the, uh, the caveat at the end of the episode. No, Tammy declined to be interviewed for the show. Well, gee, go figure. You know, right. hey, don't even get me started on the whole thing. You know, when you see people, that are uh, you know like uh, have been uh, either accused of a crime or they're a suspect in a crime and and you know uh, to to paraphrase another show that I like to watch uh, the the media jackals descend on him. Oh, okay. Did we uh, I dropped the microphone. I did. A- Good <laughs> lord! <laughs> that was the biggest bump I've taken in thirty years. Uh, but the, the media jackals descend, and oh, do, do you want to confess to the murder? Right? I mean, like whatever, or right. you know, whatever crime they've been charged with. And you know, like, gee, it's such a surprise when someone decides they don't want to say anything. And media is like, oh, they they had no comment for me. They they didn't want to confess to the heinous crime right here on my local news channel. Hey, don't get me started on that. But getting back to what I was saying, the Chris Candido, Tammy sitch episode is just amazing. And that moment, as I said, when the three guys just completely allow their emotions to come out and, you know, that, uh, because of the impact of, of the death of one of their, their brothers in wrestling it's just incredibly impactful. I would suggest if you get a chance to talk, you know, to, to watch it and to, uh, check it out for yourself. Really, really good, compelling viewing Barry. Uh, I do also want to make mention of the fact, uh, that, uh, hey, my son Andy, guess what, Barry Rose? He is now a licensed driver. And, you know, uh, I've mentioned before, uh, I talk about my wife, Kim. I've talked about my daughter, Kelly, haven't mentioned a lot about my son, Andy. Uh, my son, Andy, uh, if you haven't seen the post, uh, has a, a form of autism that's it's called Asperger syndrome. And, uh, it's, it's what they call a high functioning autistic uh he he has a job he works as a uh a pharmacy technician with the uh the kroger company he's had that job for i want to say like around five six years now he's doing really well and uh but one of the things that andy had never done was he had never gotten his driver's license and in part you know uh the whole the asperger's thing is you know it's not easy for you to uh, as they say multitask and when you're driving, of course, you know, you're doing all kinds of different things. You're looking left, right, straight ahead, you're checking out the rearview mirror, you're doing all these different things where it's funny as Asperger's kind of be single, you know, that they're looking at uh, ahead of them and they don't always have the ability to uh you know do do all these different things. And so for the past few months, uh myself and Kim and and uh his sister Kelly and Kelly's husband Brandon have been going out and working with him, uh whether it's on the road, whether or not it's uh you know, going to a parking lot and practicing uh Barry, remember when you took your driver's test, you had to do the parallel parking oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> what was interesting was apparently, uh, at least in the state of Georgia, the person giving the test does not get in the car with you. Oh. They put a camera, I, I don't know, on the dashboard that uh shows what's going on ahead, what's going on behind you. So when you're doing the test on the road course, uh they see an apparently like uh uh his sister his sister took him uh for the test. And so, uh, she got to go in the car with him, uh, which I was kind of surprised at. And she texted, uh, Kim and I and said, Oh my God, he hit a cone, uh, like he was making a turn and hit one of the cones or something like that. But, uh, so his driving pretty much will consist of him uh leaving the house and he has like a a little route that he's mapped out for himself with the help of his brother-in-law that takes him right to the doorstep of uh where he works the store he works at he uh is not yet going to be adventurous enough to get on the interstate uh that's uh that's forthcoming but uh wow to see the the pride on his face uh and the pride that Kim and I and his sister and brother-in-law had when Andy finally and you know uh, here, here's the, uh, the big clincher for all the, all of you that didn't know this. Uh, Andy is, uh, he is 33 years old and has never had a, uh, a permanent driver's license. He's had ever since he was like 17, he had the learner's permit, but never went and got his full license. He has his own car and, uh, very proud parent moment, Barry.
1: Yeah, and should be as well, too. Andy's a wonderful boy, uh, though I guess he's 33, so he's not a boy. But he's a wonderful guy, and uh, I had the honor and privilege of meeting him at your daughter's wedding several years back. And, you know, he's a great, great kid. Again, I'm saying he's a kid, right? But uh, he's always going to be your kid, and uh, I'm so happy that he was able to make this accomplishment. And, uh, yeah, all the best. You know what? Let's raise a beverage and celebrate Andy's great success. Salute. Salute.
0: All right, Barry, about time for the old go-home. I think my voice is pretty much shot, and uh we're about ready to take this ship into port. What do you say?
2: Yeah, and I
1: just threw up as well. So, Well, uh, okay. A, uh, it's a good thing. Good thing we're wrapping up. Tell Ozzy uh, to get
0: away from that. No, Ozzy, don't. Get away. Don't eat that. (laughs) He's
1: being pretty good. Jeff, we have three episodes, three regular episodes left, I should say. Of course, the Patreon is still there. We have no plans to discontinue the Patreon going forward. And it's such a bargain, too. It's five bucks. You get not only all of the new content, which essentially at this stage is two shows a month. You know, there have been rumors. We may even up that to a third if if the demand is there. Rumors?
0: uh, Rumors?
1: in yeah, the window. pretty window two shows a month we've been doing this now for a couple of years at least i don't know how many shows are in the patreon but i'm gonna assume there's 24 maybe 40 i don't have any fucking idea point being for five bucks there's a lot of content in there pay the five bucks you can get in there you can hear it there is if i'm also correct there's great interviews in there as well including a two-parter with greg gania that i remember was pretty good jeff
0: yes and uh if you're not a subscriber, Barry, see if you catch what I do here. I'm so sorry to hear that. <clears throat> see what I did there? I anyway, caught it. Yeah, thank you very much. On that note, I will say on behalf of my co-host, Barry Rose, and our producer, the sweet man, Lou Kippelman, the only one of us that's working not on the DL list like Barry and I both are today. So uh, thank you so much for Barry and Lou. I am the booker, Jeff Bowdrin. We are a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. And that's, oh, I'm sorry, uh, my boy Gunny, I love you, buddy. Uh, so uh, by the way, my, my wife, I just have to say, told me the other day, she goes, I had a dream about Gunny. And I said, Oh, oh. really? You know, it's always nice when you, you know, you have somebody, whether it's a, a dog or a family member that you've lost that, as I like to say, Barry, visits you in a dream, right? And so my wife said, I, I had a dream about Gunny. I said, really? How, how did it go? She goes, Wow, well, it was kind of weird. Uh, Gunny well, was a female and he was pregnant. I said, I don't know what that means. And she goes, Neither do I. On that note, take it into port, my friend. Guddy, I miss you. Love you, buddy.